Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. John 4, 23, 24 um, says, Yet the time is coming, has now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. Now we looked at, last week, we, we just looked at the, the Sumerian woman at the well. And of course we use this piece of scripture. And I want to use it again today. Um, because if you've been around church for any length of time, when we talk about a praise and worship session, praise is up there. It's kind of exuberant, kind of get up there. Worship is soft and quiet. And, and of course the truth is, it's true. You know, this morning Andy led us incredibly. I just get caught up in, in God's presence because, you know, the words just bring me close to God. So worship's important to God. Praise is important to God. In the old King James, it says God inhabits the praises of his people. And uh, so we're not saying that, but there's a deeper meaning that we want to get to today because it takes us deeper. In Milton Keynes, we used to have two groups of people, the ecumenical group um, and the charismatic group. Now, I don't know if you ever remember, but they used to call us a ghetto blast in church. At the time, people used to go around with these radios on their shoulders. Do you ever remember that? Um, Sarah doesn't, beyond you. Um, uh, and you know, you used to have this music pumping out down the street, you know, you used to um, And that's what they accused us of, because we were exuberant in our worship to God. It wasn't that we were kind of banging it out there, but, but the truth is, we are an exuberant, praising people. And so should our lives be. You know, it should be. That's, the, that's who we are. So the meaning of worship in the Strong's Concordance is to crouch or prostrate, prostrate oneself literally or figuratively in homage, to do reverence, to adore, to worship. It literally, people laying out on the floor. Now, we don't see that, but I've been around church and have seen that. People just laying out in the presence of God because they don't know how to worship and they're drawn to this place. And, uh, you know, for me, if, if I'm thinking in earthly sense, I'm thinking, well, the floor's dirty. You know, why would I want to be laying on there? But it's, it's the spirit catches you and you just want to bow before God. You just want to kneel before him in reverence. And uh, I looked in uh, Webster's Dictionary and this one really I loved because it says, worship is to honour with extravagant love and supreme submission. Two opposite words, extravagant love, but supreme total submission to God. And so these words are the words Jesus is referring to when he's talking about, he's not talking about uh, going to a mountain to praise or going to a church to praise or doing it in a religious way. He's talking about your heart continually connecting with him so that you are speaking with him this is the worship God's looking for and so historically we have um, we've we've, um, seen people worship in all sorts of ways there's a yearning inside of God for everybody God placed something within us that we're incomplete without him there's a yearning in people and Ecclesiastes 3.11 in the Amplified Version, which is the extended version, says, he has made everything beautiful and appropriate in his time. He has also planted eternity 
a sense of divine purpose in the human heart, a mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. Do you know people are looking all the time to find this? And God's always been saying, I'm here. You don't need to keep searching for this. That longing inside you, you're trying to fill with all the wrong stuff, will never, ever be filled. Because it's only filled in one place, and it's only filled in me. Yet man cannot find out, comprehend or grasp what God has done, his overall plan from the beginning to the end. This is what God has intended and placed in the heart of man that we should always worship and seek him. And that's his intention. Um, I, I did a rough kind of count. It's very rough. But the Romans probably had over 200 deities that they worshipped. You know, ridiculous things. They worshipped the grass. Uh, now I know cows need to eat the grass and I understand all that. But, you know, I don't want to bow down to the grass. Well, Nebuchadnezzar apparently ate the grass for a period of his life. But, um, you know, so... We all have these kind of um, things that we, we can end up worshipping. Jeanette and I went down to um, Somerset and Jeanette had just got a job in a school uh, teaching Glastonbury Thorn. And it was um, you know, a lovely, lovely school. And, and we thought we'd go to Glastonbury Abbey because there they have apparently the original Glastonbury Thorn. Uh, you know, which wasn't the original, obviously, uh, they're everywhere. So we went in and um, we thought what we'd do is we'd get a picture in front of the, the kind of bushy tree thing uh, and, and we'd take it back and Jeanette would say to the school, look, I've been to Glastonbury Thorn, and it's a picture. Um, anyway, we went up to the tree, which was supposedly the, the original tree, and there was a woman there uh, with a blanket set out and uh, on her knees with all the stuff around her, you know, obviously come for the day, uh, worshipping this tree. Uh, so every time we went to get a picture, she got up and hugged this tree. So I was, you know, I was thinking, well, I'm sure it's a good thing for worshipping trees, but you're, you're flipping annoying because every time we get up, you keep doing this. And, uh, but it just reminded me that people worship so many different things. And we need to be careful about what we worship because sometimes we don't realise that we're worshipping things beyond God. And it may be today, you might be there. You know, there's, there's things that we're going to have to just think in our heart about what we are worshipping this is what Luke says, the devil led Jesus up to a high place and showed him in an instant. Do you know, in an instant. Isn't it amazing when you go to pray, in an instant your mind's filled with all sorts of things other than prayer. Happen in an instant. All the kingdom of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all the authority and the splendor. For it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. So if you worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered, it is written. The word of God, it is written. If you ever want to be in combat with the evil, then it is written. It's always written. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Worship the Lord your God. Now we know Adam gave away the rights to the world when he fell in the garden. And so at this point, of course, Satan did have authority. But Jesus retook that. The second Adam came to restore to us what was rightfully ours. This world is ours. I've told you, Belper belongs to us. Not because we're arrogant and, and blasé and because God gave it to us. 
It is up to us to reclaim it. We don't have to go and say, we've got to win this, but we do have to go and take it. So the principle is whatever's won in the, in the spirituals, you have to walk and win in the physicals. So this is what Jesus is beginning to tell him. You know, he's beginning to, to say, you don't have any authority. You really don't, because it's all my father's. We're worshipping God. The Bible tells us that God is spirit and true worship, worship in spirit and truth. Not in a particular place. I mean, I get kind of caught up in people say, we've got to go to a cathedral or church. I understand that. This building is only to house the people of God. You know, if we had four people, we could be in a home. If we have 500 people, we would struggle in here. We'd need a bigger premises. So don't get caught up in the building because you are the church and I am the church. And together, when we come together to gather, we bring a power that is beyond an individual. We bring a, 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 a kind of an energy with us that is when we unify together in one purpose, one accord, one mind, one spirit, incredible things begin to happen. This is why the Bible says don't get, get out of the habit of meeting together. Don't give up the habit because we need to be together. Not just because it's, it's fun and, and stuff, because we could all do other things, because there's a power when we come together that we can't get individually. So it's important that we do this. Now in John 6, 63, Jesus said, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life. He's speaking to disciples. This spirit that is alive in us it's active and it's working. And Jesus is reminding the disciples that the words he's speaking to them, the spirit takes hold of and touches our spirit. It brings us alive. You can't have this without the spirit. And he goes on in John 17, 17 to say, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Please, the Bible and prayer are the two least attended disciplines in the church. And yet they're the two most important things. People don't read their Bibles. People don't pray as, as they should. This word of truth is what Jesus said. It is written. The Bible. It is written. I was looking for my Bible. It's down there. Um, do you know, I mean, why wouldn't you go to, to, a, to a place where you know it's going to help you? Why wouldn't you start your day with, with a meditation on what God's saying? Why wouldn't you offer your life to God first thing in the morning? Why wouldn't you want him to be part of your day? Um, it, it doesn't make sense. And yet, we get caught up in so many different ways. So I'm not condemning anybody or judging. I'm just saying, if you want the best of your day, do the right things because they're the things that work. And this is what Jesus says um, uh, was Paul speaking about the Holy Spirit he says the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weaknesses for example at times we don't even know how to pray or know the things to ask for but the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf pleading with God with emotional sighs too deep for words takes our spirit and he, co and he connects with God's spirit this, this incredible exchange goes beyond words. Sometimes there are utterances. Sometimes we're groaning. Sometimes we just love God so much we don't know how to express it. Sometimes we're in so much grief we don't know how to express it. But the Holy Spirit takes what's within us and touches God's heart for us. Worship attracts the presence of God. So true worship starts with us. 
This is what Romans says. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvellous mercies? To surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifice and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. So this is Romans 12.1. If you read it in NIV, it's, you know, we're surrendering ourselves. Uh, it's the living sacrifice, uh, holy and pleasing to God. Um, so number one, we should surrender ourselves. At this moment, we repent of all our failings and our shortcomings for God's forgiveness. You know, we're continually, I mean, I continually live asking for God's forgiveness. Not because I'm continually sinning, but because I know lots of things I do don't please God. Even in the things I'm thinking, not in just what I'm doing. So I do try and stay very close to God and surrender myself and continually bow the knee to him. You know, I'm not arrogant or proud, but I sometimes don't bow the knee to him. I'm not talking about sport now and bowing the knee because every person is important. And I really get, you know, every person's important to us. Um, but it's in true adoration and humility to God. And sometimes my pride has to take a big step down in, in, in worshipping God. Even in church, sometimes I have to realise that bowing the knee is not some sort of extravagant showpiece. It's, it's I don't care what you're doing. This is me worshipping my God. And, and, you know, we can be conscious of everyone around us, and we are conscious, I understand that. But when you get into this place, it's true adoration and humility. You don't care what anybody else is doing. You just want to worship God and do what he's asking you to do. And so we surrender ourselves. We give our lives as living sacrifices to him, to love with all our heart, mind and strength. This is what Proverbs said, and it's been one of my favourite little pieces of scriptures. My son... Give me your heart. May your eyes take delight in following my ways. Give me your heart. What does God want? He wants your heart. He wants you. Not part of you. He wants you. He doesn't want to just be saved. He wants to be Lord. And these are not fun things. He wants to be Lord of your life totally. He wants you to surrender all to him. Why? Because he loves you with a passion. And he can only love you if you'll let him love you. He pursues you with his life. All the days of your life, he pursues you with goodness. He wants to bless you. Do you know, he bends over backwards to bless you. It's just sometimes we stop him from blessing us. We're the reason that we won't actually submit to him and to live in holiness, a life given to live in righteously, to do the right thing. And the word and the Holy Spirit continues to remind us and help us be transformed into his likeness, not conformed into the likeness of the world. You know, the world has a pattern and a plan for your life and it will try and take you and make you what you should be in the world eyes. You should be this, you should buy that, you should wear this, you should go there. This is not what God's saying to you. God's saying be transformed, renew your mind by the word of God. He wants you to be transformed. And might I say, living in holiness doesn't mean being miserable. God wants you to have fun. Yeah, amazing things. Everyone speaks about holiness and thinks we've got to suddenly shut ourselves up in a room and dress in sackcloth and, and not have any fun. The Bible says Jesus had the oil of gladness above all of his companions. Jesus had fun. Amazing, isn't it? He had fun, but he had good fun. 
Not dirty, smutty, nasty stuff. He had fun because life is fun. Being around people's fun and you can have fun with people without all the other stuff. You don't need to go out and get drunk to have fun because you're taking down all the inhibitions in you and, and now you can be truly you. Because if you get drunk, you're not truly you. It's a nonsense. It's the least you. It just means your inhibitions have gone down and you're not in control of anything. And so people say, don't blame me, blame the drink. No, it's you, not the drink. Jesus wants you to be totally you. He's never wanted you to be any different but totally you. It's us who want to be something totally different to who we are. We fight God on what he's made us to be. He's made you you so you can be totally you and be in the blessing he's got for your life and, and do all the things he's got for you because he wants to bless you with plans and purposes for your life. He doesn't want you to be anybody else. When we get this, we're content in who we are and we enjoy who we are and rejoice in who we are. Don't be somebody else because he's not intended to be that. And so we delight in his heart. We want to delight him. You know, the Bible continually encourages us to do these things. It says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you all the desires of your heart. It's so simple, isn't it? If we delight in God, he delights in us. He blesses us with every blessing and an abundance we can't even hold because we are delighting in him. This is so simple if we get it because we looked for our delights everywhere else but in the place that brings us delight and we search in all the wrong places. Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough for everything, every moment and in every way. He will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. 2 Corinthians 9, 9. I just love the scriptures because it tells you God is going to bless you in abundance but I don't feel it you're being blessed I don't see it you're being blessed I don't have it you're being blessed sometimes we just want the, the physical the, the, the tactile we want to touch and feel you are a blessed person you walk in blessing and God's favour because you love him and he loves you but I don't see it well you're still blessed you're still blessed you walk in his favour all the time. You just don't realise it. And sometimes, because we don't realise it, we don't live in that because we don't think we have it. Do you know, we've got to get wise up to this stuff. We've got to start understanding you are blessed and you walk in God's favour and he will increase your life and he will give you everything you need on every occasion and every situation for all that you need. He's not going to leave. I can honestly say in all our life, we've never been rich, but we've never been poor. I prayed what was an awful prayer from Proverbs 30, don't give me too much that I should be arrogant and don't give me too, much, too little that I should beg. God's never, ever let us down. We've been tight, but he's never been late. He's always blessed our life. And what does he bring to us? Not just finance and stuff. He blesses our life with his spiritual presence. He blesses our life through good and bad. He blesses our life with his presence. It is just incredible. In worship, God directs us. While they were worshipping the Lord, the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. They were worshipping and praying. They were worshipping God and praying. And this is the thing that we need to understand. When we're praying, we're worshipping God. We need to worship God. They were asking for a particular thing. 
They wanted to know missionary where they were going to go. Now you're asking God for something perhaps different. Or you might be asking for the next chapter of your life. You might be saying, what does the next step mean? What about work? What about relationship? What about money? What about? Worship and prayer brings the presence of God. And so as they did this, they saw God. Now we do this in the Lord's Prayer, you know, our Father who art in heaven. We start by worshipping God. And then the next part is all about asking. It's about give us today our daily bread, everything I need to live. Forgive me, Lord, as I've forgiven those around us. Your kingdom come on this earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done here. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from the evil one. And then I was just reading it and I suddenly became aware it stops there. If you read the Gospels, both in Luke and Matthew, it stops on that part. And yet we have a doxology that comes from Chronicles because we go on to say, don't we, the end of the Lord's Prayer, for yours is the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This is what doxology says, taken from Chronicles, which is where this came from. It's the finish to the prayer. It says, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above everything else. Now let me say, you've got to start believing this stuff. This is truth. This is what God is. He's above everything. COVID, he's above everything. Sickness, he's above everything. You're catching this? Depression, he's above everything. And so we've got to start catching hold of God. Our spirit, with the Holy Spirit, catching hold of God's heart for us, this communication of worship. So two questions for you. They're they're not for you to answer right now. Number one, do you believe that God of this whole, whole universe, created heaven and earth, wants to talk to you? Do you believe that? And do you believe that the incredible plans and purposes and dreams he's placed in your heart, he's able to deliver and he's big enough to do what he says he can do? Abundantly more, exceedingly greatness. Do you believe that? Because you answer these two questions, you'll begin to answer your prayer life. Because we pray small prayers because we believe in a small God. And history tells us he's not always done what we want. So we go back to history and say, well, it He didn't do it then, why would he do it now? He is God. He's exalted above everything, in every place, in every time, in every area. He's exalted above everything. And he has a plan and a purpose for your life, not to do you harm, but to do you good, to give you a hope and a future. This is truth. This is not just nice words. He has a plan for your life that is incredible. And we've got to start believing No matter where you are, at what level of life you are, what level of faith you are, no matter how old you are, no matter what country, creed you come from, God has a plan for your life. Before creation, he had works for you to do. He knew you before you were even here. And he loved you and he had all these plans for you. But we've got to start getting onto the script with God because he will direct us if we will allow him to do it. So the questions we have, we have to go to him to get them. In worship, God delivers us and others around us. Paul and Silas, undaunted, undaunted, prayed in the middle of the night and with songs of praise to God, while all the other prisoners listened to their worship. Suddenly, a great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison. All at once, every prison door flung open and the chains of all the prisoners came loose. 
fell off. Peter experienced something very similar. This incredible prayer, you know, they were praising God. Now these, these men had just been flogged and severely whipped. And when, the, when they say severely, it wasn't just like, there you go, it was severe. And so they've been, they've been dragged by a mob. Why? Because a girl kept following Paul who was a sooth, she could see the future. She, she was one of these kind of people you go to, tells you, a spiritualist, a, a medium, and she had the predictions for the future. And Paul had to put up with her, and she kept on shouting out to him, these men are the servants of the Most High God, they've come to do all this, you know, and she's given them grief. And one day Paul says, come out of her, spirit, come out of her. So she dropped on the floor almost dead, and the people she was with thinking, that's our money you've just done. We've got no more income. You've just robbed us. And so they dragged them in front of the court and then they flogged them and beat them. You know, Paul's no, 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 no kind of innocent with it. He was beaten and flogged plenty of times, shipwrecked and lost. And so they find themselves in prison. What would you do? I know, feel sorry for yourself. I mean, that's a natural thing. Paul and Silas are singing. They're thanking God. You're God, you're wonderful. Your kingdom's coming. Your word is an enduring word. You bring life wherever you go. You bring strength to mankind. You're blessing our lives. We're in prison. We're in the inner cells. We've been locked in here. And we don't know what our future holds, but our future's in your hands and we worship you and praise you. Paul and Silas are praising and all the prisoners, I just get a sense of looking and thinking, what are these people doing? Why are they doing this? You shouldn't be doing it. And then the suddenlies of God came. In your life, the suddenlies of God will come and change everything about your life. Suddenly, God broke in. So for years and years and years, you've lived the way you lived and you've desired God and you've pursued him and you've kept open to him. Suddenly, in a moment, in an instant, everything changed. And that's what God does in our life continually. We think he's late, he's never late. He's always on time. He's always just at the right time. And an instant suddenly, the cell doors broke. Can you imagine being in the prison? The, the guard is, is meant to make sure you don't leave that place. If you do, you're, he's going to die. He knows it. So he's already going to kill himself. He's ready. They, they, they're gone. They're, they're out of this place and I'm going to die. So Paul says, don't. We're all here. And, and, and that was kind of, you know, my goodness, why are you all still here? So it says the jailer took them out, cleansed their wounds, and this is the incredible words. He says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? I've seen this. I've seen where you were. I've seen God work in your life. What must I do to be saved? Not only does God deliver you, but God delivers others through you. This is an incredible story. People are watching your life. The Bible says you're living epistles being read and known by all people, all men. They're watching your life to see how you live your life. And you're not going to be floating around on a cloud with a little halo over your head all the time because we have hardships, we have problems, we have delights, we have fun, we have all the issues of life. But people watch you because they want to see who God is in your life. They want to see how Christ works in you and when Christ delivers you through these things, they say to you, Sir, Madam, what must I do to be saved? I want this life you've got. Your life is a continual attraction to people around them. 
You're a living Bible on legs. You're being taken this message. People are watching you day in, day out. Your family watches you year in, year out because they're seeing who you are and who Christ is in you and they are interested. Sometimes we think, oh, they're giving us a hard time. They're not. They're watching. They're not duped by our words. They're watching your life and the suddenness of God break in and suddenly everything changes. Please don't ever stop praying for your family. Don't stop praying for the ones you love because suddenly God breaks in. When? Paul was on the road to Damascus ready to annihilate Christians. You know, that's what he was set out to do. He had an experience. Suddenly, Jesus turned up. Massive bright light throws him off his horse onto the ground. What's happening? He's blind. He can't see. I'm the one you're persecuting. I'm the one that you're chasing. Suddenly, God breaks in. Don't give up. Don't back down. Don't fall back and, and, and say, oh, it's never going to happen. Because that's exactly what the enemy always wants you to do. Give up. God is always drawing you in to say, I'm walking with you. I am with you. I am blessing you. Your favour is in, I'm going to be your favour and, and you will see incredible things happen. Keep pressing in. Amen? Good, you've all been very quiet and uh, worship attracts the presence of God. Not just in our singing, but in your life. Your life is a worship to God. Your prayer is a worship to God. And so we take this and understand what Jesus is saying. We worship him in spirit and in truth today. Let your life always show Christ in you. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful.